Max! Ho ho! How you doing, man? Ah, uh, dude, I'm hurting. Well, since the last episode, we have yeah. a million things to get to. I know. Uh, we could spend the whole time talking about you. Yeah. But we're I'm not. I'm always so interesting. Well, we're not going to, though. There's only so much stuff going We're, we're going to split it a little bit. We don't get to talk about me. I'm so relieved. Yes, we're not going to. But we have to get, about, we have to, get to some stuff. We'll but get to some stuff. We have another amazing special guest. This guy's pretty special. And you brought him in. He's a friend of yours. Now he's a friend of mine. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I've known Joe Dungan since, gosh, the mid-90s, Joe? Oh, no, before that. Really? See, really? I don't know your backstory, but we have to first welcome, welcome Joe to Magazine Podcast. Thank you. Joe is an author. I'm glad to And a and comedian. I'm, and I'm toasting you right now. And a now. teacher. And a brain and he's hilarious. And a denture wearer. And a denture <laughs> he wears wearer. Dentures. Oh, wow. Well, we'll get to why you why you wear the dentures. But Joe, to me, I have known you for a little bit, but I only know you as a comedian. You're a stand-up comedian. According to some audiences, but, yes. But I mean, I, I, I love stand-up comedy and I've always liked people's backstories, how they became a stand-up comedian. How do you go from being good old Joe to a comedian? Well, you just start going to mics. You start writing jokes, and you just start doing it. That's really it. Uh, it's been a slow crawl. I, I mean, uh, and I, you know, there's no telling what what this is going to lead to. I don't know if I'm going to stay a comedian forever. For me, it's just it's about a lot of it is about performing. I've always had this urge to perform, even when you were a kid. He's a really good actor. Really, you yeah. act too. That's kind of you to say. Yeah, I didn't know you had. He's done a lot of stage. You're a multi-layered guy. Yeah, I feel like I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Okay, I I (laughs) feel like I've tried a lot of things, and I'm I'm okay or better than okay at some of them. But I'm I've always feel like there's so much more to learn. Like this guy to me is an actor. Max is an actor. That you're you to me and people we know. The magazine podcast doesn't know them. I won't bore them with names. Right. People you and I know. Yeah. Over the years from Cal State Northridge. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could rattle off names. People who went to you know Rutgers and got the right. masters. Those guys and others who didn't go to Rutgers, but still, they, they, those people are actors yeah. to me because they're at it for a long time. Yeah. Uh, the voiceover, all the voice stuff you've done. You're 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 an actor to me. I'm not. I'm a guy who people found my acting entertaining, which. <laughs> I mean, I'll take, but I don't... I, well, you're like Harry Dean Stanton in that anything you play, you're always just playing yourself. <laughs> I mean, really? you, it's, you don't have a lot of range. So I'm Dennis Franz, is what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I do think you should get into voice. I told you you should get into voiceover. Because you have this voice when you talk. You do have only, a nice kind of deep... You know, I feel like I could do radio. What do you mean? See? See? No. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> good. it's actually kind of sexy. Well, I got a little piece of wood happening. Uh, you know what? Maybe I. Thank you. I'll take the. Uh, He's like the a white couple. man's George Takei. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Except he's Jew and not Japanese. Maybe I should. And this, this leads to a bigger thing for me is because I have a day job. Uh, I work in an advertising agency. Great bunch of people. It's a terrific job. I'm glad I have it. And I'm trying to figure out when is the right time to make the leap, you know? And I, I think a lot of... You mean to quit your job and go on tour and star whatever, and do it like Jay Leno did and How Jerry Seinfeld did and all those guys? How can I life and make enough money to satisfy me in the meantime? Because I think there's going to be a long, lean period where I'm not making what I'm making. I'm not rich now, but I'm not... I, I mean, as I like to say, 
I made more money than most comedians in town last year. Unfortunately, I didn't make most of it doing comedy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I am wealthier than most comedians in town, but it's not because of comedy. It's because right. I have a day job. Right. And a lot of them right. don't. They drive but, you know, I mean, I, there isn't any kind of um, romanticism to be the starving artist anymore. Mm. Who wants no. to starve? No. You know, I you don't want to starve. At a certain age, it's just like, I, I've tried that. to make it in music myself for years, but I always had a job because I thought... Why starve? I, I never bought into that myth. Right. You know, I, I like having a bed and good food and right. You know, and if you can if you can compartmentalize that and just say to yourself, okay, what in what is what intermediate goal am I trying to achieve here, and how much time is it going to require? And that's when you have to ask yourself, okay, what do I do with the rest of my time? Mm-hmm. What I, like I've cut back on my drinking, uh, not tonight. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but, I got two um, bottles of wine open and for they're you. They're both fantastic. Thank. Um, but it's it's when do you when do you make those choices? And I've known too many comedians, and I've been that comedian where you just sort of blindly throw yourself vaguely in the direction of stand-up comedy, and then you wonder why ten years later you're still doing open mics on a Monday night, getting drunk with a bunch of millennials. Right. Like, well, wait a minute. Where you clearly went off track here at some point. If this mic that you're doing is the highlight of your week then you're doing something wrong. Now, there are some pros who go out every night, and if they don't have a gig, they will go to an open mic. I know some people who go on the on tour, they get paid for it. They're not household names, but at least they are they can go to Indianapolis for a weekend or St. Louis or wherever. And if they're in town on a Thursday night and they don't have a mic, they will go to an open mic and try out new stuff because it's what they do. Mm-hmm. And they won't, they're sitting here going, okay, well, I'm not going to charge 20 bucks a head when I go to Columbus uh, you know, and try out new stuff. I'm going to try out new stuff here and make sure it works and then go charge money for it. And right. I totally respect that. Right. But there are some people who just do open mics just to do open mics. Right. And I'm glad that there's this mechanism inside of me that said in the last couple of years, okay, Joe, now what? Why are you just rotely going to these mics? And a lot of them are kind of crappy. But if hopefully there's there's something inside of every artist that says this thing that I'm doing now is no longer serving me. Right. I'm glad I was able to do this for the time being, right. but now I've reached a point where it's time to figure out how do I get to this next level. And you I, have to think different about what you're doing. Yeah. You well, know? again, I, I think I have that mechanism now that did, because for the longest time I tried things and I kept bouncing from thing to thing because I liked the novelty of it. And when then once, once you realize, oh, wait a minute, this shit requires work, mm-hmm. then it kind of lost its luster. And I'm going, I, ugh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, but for whatever reason, stand-up is kind of kind of stuck and I've I another you know ironically enough the more I get into stand-up the more I see stand-up comedians leaving stand-up to do other things because there actually are not a whole lot of comedians in the country who make a living exclusively doing stand-up comedy well is it completely your passion I mean if you have a vision for yourself I mean you have a day job in advertising but is the vision for you you see yourself whether it's stand-up doing I don't know HBO specials getting a sitcom doing movies all the above that kind of life is that what you would like to do? Roughly. I, you know, I think that's been another challenge of mine is I've never fully seen what my vision is for me. I've never quite figured that out. And I'm still, to me, it's all been a journey. Mm. I'm still not figuring out what the And a relatively is. short one. Like, you've had quite a trajectory, but you only started doing stand-up. Well, it'll you've been doing be, it a long time, but when you got real serious about it. Yeah, it'll be uh, about almost six years now. Six years. Right, which isn't really a long time. No, right? but I it's mean, an when exciting you hear... time because this is, it's roughly like five to eight years in when stuff starts to happen really? for comedians. Yeah, they start to... And you're already getting hired. 
I've gotten, you are. I've gotten corporate gigs here and there. Oh, well, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So you have, I'm not saying you have a huge fan base, but you're not completely unknown either. No. Oh, that's I'm not, great. I'm not a total unknown. You, you He's kept, emceeing shows. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Are you, and are, you're being asked to MC shows. Once in a while. Okay. I, I, well, I still great. need to actively so, solicit that hustle. and hustle that. Yeah. yeah. It's still a hustle. It's still a great Yeah, but how many of these uh, schlubby comedians can say they have a great book that a lot of people loved? He wrote a book of essays about Los Angeles called L.A. Nuts. That's really what catapulted him into all this. Really? Well, yeah. you know, we allow everybody to be a whore. So tell us where the book, where can you get the book? Uh, Amazon. Amazon. And LA Amazon. Nuts. It's, a, it's a book about... It's a about real book. Last stories I, of Los Angeles. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a book about... Max is the biggest champion of this book, and I've yeah. always appreciated that. Yes. It's, I've read it twice. I, really? I read, I, it started as essays for a, uh, a website. I can't believe we didn't bring Lorenzo a copy. Yeah. Yeah, shame Jesus on me. Christ. I'll get you. I'll get you a copy. I'll, we'll, get right. you, we'll, get, we'll get one. Too. We'll take care of you. All right. Um, but it started as essays, and Max was one of the people who just like... Like, like, like appointment television. Max would would get on the website every week when this when the latest essay was up, and you were oh. like the first person to read it. And yes. I totally I totally dug it. Yes, I was waited for your feedback. That was were fun old. That's days. right. It was. When was that? What year was that? That was the old blog days. Two thousand five to two thousand five. Oh. Well, did was, you, let me go back even further. Did you guys meet at CSUN? Yes. Yeah, I didn't oh. go to CSUN, but I was looking for actors for a play outside of CSUN. And who was my... Oh, my friend Doug, who I went to high school with, he went to CSUN. So right. he was kind of the conduit to all of these CSUN guys who became my closest friends oh. in life. The whole gaggle. Adam, right. Joe, right. Stefan, which led me to Brett Pearson's, right. Matt Kaminsky. We just said we weren't going to say all the names of right. these guys. Well, also, to people who don't live in L.A., CSUN stands for... Cal State University Northridge, right? Yeah, which is part of the Cal State University system. Yes, and uh, you were studying film there. Yeah, I was a TV film major. Right, that's very cool. And what'd you do with that degree? I was I, I very doggedly pursued unemployment for two years, <laughs> and then I. I it's amazing up- to see your ascension because. What was that shitty one-room hovel you lived in oh, in a yeah. back alley that yeah. I I went there one night and like have a seat <laughs> in the kitchen like it was <laughs> it was it a was dump. a hovel and it now was, he owns property it was a dump. Right. well it you've was, come a long way it then. was a one room it was a guest a studio guest house <laughs> literally about a mile from where I am now yeah it was up uh, at that big intersection very yeah. close to. Uh, it was that Roger Dunn golf shop, which yeah, is sure, that's not there anymore. That Don, it was behind a donut store. Yeah, right. And the couple that lived in the front house actually said they were trying to conceive children, but they couldn't because they think the uh, dry cleaner right there <laughs> spewed so many chemicals into the air that it made them sterile. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, God. that's the kind of neighborhood it was. You didn't live in a car, though. You no. You had a studio. I had a place. It was, it was that's uh, cool. I don't want people to get all nostalgic about L.A., but it was $425 oh. a month. And it wasn't worth that much. Right. It was pretty bad. Yeah. But I stayed there four years. Oh, wow. It's, it, it, it but it gave you me. a start. Yeah. You know, it gave you I, a place at the end of the day to go to. Yeah, I survived. You, you, you weren't in an alley somewhere. No, I, did, I was doing fine, and I worked my way out of there. So. Let me ask you a question. You know, I love stand-up comedy. I love uh, whether it's Carlin or Seinfeld or Pryor, and they all have biographies now and documentaries. And they kind of all say the same thing, how they got started. They were kids and they could make their parents laugh. And they were like, ooh, this, is, this feels great. Were you that kind of guy? Did had, you make your parents laugh and it gave you a little spark to say, I think I could do this? I had moments. Uh, I, I had moments when I could make my parents laugh. I don't know if it was so much that. I, I think it was a need for attention. I, I mean, but even I when you were young. Yeah, 
When I was about, I think when my mom got remarried, that's when it started. I was uh, I was a happy kid till he came along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's that kind and of that's when the tension started. Yeah, and his I, what, dad was a manager for Bob's Big Boy. Yeah. Oh, you're my mom kidding. and dad got divorced. When I, I was about love four. Bob's Big Boy. Yeah, and my dad spent his life in the big boy industry, and he lived wow. in L.A. until I was about eight, and then he opened up a franchise in Northern California with two other guys, and he lived up there the rest of his life. Wow. And he was in the big boy industry until about 83 and he sold but out. But obviously moved away from you and, and yeah, your mom. Yeah, oh, wow. he moved away. And my, my brother lived up there here and there. He went to some school up there. He went to Berkeley up there. So he lived wow. with my dad for some of that. But I lived down here the whole time. You never had a, one of those big boy statues in your front lawn or something? Not the big ones, no. Okay, but but I, had the, I had the piggy bank. I had the big boy piggy bank. Oh. But I don't know what happened I to I can it. see Joe as big boy. He I kind of could. Like I have the a little, little hair, more gel. the pompadour a yeah. little bit. A little more gel. Put him in some red and white checkered yeah. overalls. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that little, because little big, uh, every, fourth of Jul- every 4th of July <laughs> in Danville, they had a parade, and there was a big boy that walked the parade. My dad wore the big boy outfit. Oh. Whoa. And I think the only great. reason he did is because he Did he wear the fiberglass head over him? They, yeah. It was a gigantic head. And yeah. somewhere exists a photograph of me wearing that head. Wow. <laughs> Which Max would appreciate because the joke's about the size of my head. My head. Because <laughs> Max is, well, Max's head is about the third biggest head in the world. It, it is kind of a big head. Mine is second. But and, he's and got, I know a, a guy he's got that nice cranium for the mm. resonance of his voice. <laughs> That's the idea. I intimidate yeah. people with my head and my voice. That's right. You. I will kill you with my head. <laughs> wow. When your dad was wearing the costume at, when you were a kid, was it basically pride or utter embarrassment? Saying, oh, it was oh, cool. Oh, it was okay. cool. So it was like, oh, that's my dad in the it costume. Was, it was cool. It wasn't like, oh, dad, my brother, really? he Thanksgiving, got to wear a big boy? <laughs> there were a few years. He did it for a few years, and we used to, my brother and I would follow along. I remember one year, we didn't want to for some reason. We were bored or something, so he gave us a few bucks, and he said, you can go to the bowling alley. So the bowling alley was open, and we actually went bowling, and there was nobody in there. There was no one in the bowling alley. My brother and I just bowled. While we were, well, Dad was doing the parade, right. but I remember him. I think he wore it because he was five foot six, and he was the only one who could fit into the costume. <laughs> the other owners were tall guys. My dad was about five six, so right. were, uh, five eight something. So they right. shoved him in that. And I remember meeting him at his car at the end of the route once, and he took the thing off, and he was just drenched in oh, sweat. If you can imagine, Fourth be... of July. Oh my God! This heavy thing, and the 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 head was almost as big as my head. It was about three feet across, and it had this. The, the hair was actually glued yarn, like one piece of yarn over and over again, just glued, <laughs> hand glued onto wow. this pompadour-shaped thing. And, and then there was a party afterwards. Another of the owner had a house in Diablo, which is near Danville. We'd go there afterwards that afternoon. And then somewhere there's a photo of me wearing this gigantic head. If you can imagine like a 10-year-old version of me with this head that was way wow. the hell out here. It looked like a cartoon. Wow. It's like Halloween all the time. Yeah. It was crazy. Wow. It was, but it was fun times. But that's, that's, that's a very unique story. I mean, yeah. not many people's dad was big no. boy. And I, I have some big boy swag, which you saw once. I brought out the old cufflinks. Yeah, yeah. There were, big boy there were, cufflinks. There were, corporate, wow. there were corporate events. That's where, probably a collector's item. Yeah, I'm sure it is. There right. were, He's a real California boy. Like, oh, wow. I said, hey, I'll drive you what through somewhere on the way to the show tonight. We'll, we'll drive through and eat some junky food on the way down. In and out! In and Out Burger, of yeah. course, an iconic California place. It's the best. Of course, he chose the one that's like an hour and fifty minute wait in line. Oh. We'll go to the one in Van Nuys. Right. This is how I do, Joe. Okay. He's always like this when he talks. Eo. <laughs> <laughs> He's sleeping through it. You done right. yet? Oh, is he done? It's okay. the worst experience of his life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's flattery when Max imitates you. Mm. Yeah, and Max never imitates you, by the way. No, so. because he doesn't like me. No, because yeah. no. I don't like you. <laughs> no. It is so good to have you, John. 
See, see, he imitates you like you're a person. I'm from Kabul. I'm from no. Afghanistan, and I work at a Seven Eleven. And how could you say I don't like you? That's I'm terrible. Kidding. Terrible. It's just the wine talking. That's true. Now, Joe, even though you're saying that you know you were pretty you know into making your parents laugh when you could. Did you start writing jokes, or were you a, were you the class clown? Were yeah. you kind of like quiet at home, but class clown in person? I think there's some truth to that. All I right. kind of because it's I, a common story. I acted out in school, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was I was uh, I was voted most original, actually, which I took as a compliment. I mean, as a as a personality. Yeah. Oh, in, that's in the yearbook, very cool. Yeah. There's a there's a very dorky photo of, of me in the yearbook somewhere of me most voted original. most original. I I I. I, I remember thinking, God, I thought everybody hated me. Why? How? I didn't think they liked me enough to vote for me. Oh, so really? I, I took that as flattery. Um, but I didn't. I. I didn't. You know, another recurring thread through all of this uh, is I never really believed in myself that much. I thought, oh, I couldn't. I don't know if I can do this. In fact, the first time I did stand up was as a freshman in college. Brett Pearson's was there, by the way. Mm. Uh, our friend Brett. He's been on this show. Who went to Cal State Northridge. I met Brett at Cal State so Northridge. So in college was your very first stand-up Correct. performance. Correct. And you wrote you wrote out the whole material. I wrote out eight minutes of material, mm-hmm. and I forgot half of it. I did, <laughs> I did about four minutes and 15 seconds, I remember. And it was on the short, short list of scariest things I've ever done in my life. It takes guts, wow. though. Yeah, but if you've never done it, it's a natural right. reaction to say, oh, my God, this is horrifying. Right. It's like you're looking at yourself doing it and completely judging yourself as you're doing it. No. Okay. No, I completely judged myself on the video. I watched it over and over. <laughs> okay. And over. Ah, oh, God, okay. this is all The judgment came later. Yeah. But, but there it, was judgment, though. It's just, you're, you're so scared, you're not thinking straight. I see. That's the problem with it, which is why you have to do it, you know. I, I, I know a guy who tried stand-up for the first time, and he said, I'm very nervous. And I said, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. It gets much easier after the first four or 500 times. Right. <laughs> Which is a joke, but not a joke. Right, you, I understand. You have to do it a million times, then right. all of a sudden, you break through and it becomes easier. Right. So, that's yeah, that's when I started. But I didn't, as I like to say back then, I didn't, uh, I didn't have anybody to encourage me, and I didn't have anybody to stop me. So I just kept doing bad stand-up. And I, <laughs> every semester, they had an open mic night. What one, was it about? My first gig? My first? Your material. Oh, God, it was so bad. It was... I remember my first joke that I told. It was, I came on stage and I said, you know how they have these public service announcements saying, you know, don't do cocaine, don't smoke marijuana. Have you ever noticed they don't have any about doing acid? So that's why I take acid. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It got a laugh. It actually got a laugh. I'm sure it did. I I, I think I delivered it better then than I did here. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But that was my, that was the kind of stuff. I didn't know. What's another one from that set? Oh, I made fun of. What did I make fun of? I think I made fun of the Love Boat. Oh, I love that show. How they always had, you know, blah 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 on the Love Boat. That's because that was the uh, the commercial trailer for the Love. No matter what happened, won't hurt anyone. That's not true. Climb aboard. We're expecting you. The Love Boat. I love that. I own those on DVD. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, <laughs> you watch them all the time. I do. I do. I think I, so. Just hacky stuff like that. I think I made fun of you, you know the kind of thing where you 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 have them say something really disgusting in a in a famous person's voice tonight. You know, Gopher and Isaac butt fuck each other on the love boat or something <laughs> right. stupid. It was something stupid like right. that. But that's it funny. Was, it was silly. Yeah. Well, thank you. But I kept I kept doing the summer of '88. I went once a week to the LA Cabaret in Encino. Do you remember oh my god, time? I remember oh, yeah. that place. Yeah, me too. I performed yeah. there. Yeah, they. I found out there was an open mic, and I went there every Sunday, and I tried 
to do something. I didn't know you were supposed to write every day. I didn't know you were supposed to drive all over town and do two mics a night and all that stuff. So I went there once a week and did my crappy little jokes. Um, the MC was Tommy Davidson. Oh, wow. Him. From, from In Living, in Living Color. Color. Yeah. This was before In he Living Color. He was a wild little dude. He was a nice guy. That's good. And then two years later, when he hit In Living Color, I was an extra on that show. And oh. he recognized me right away. And he was very cool and said hi. And I remember that. But I just, I was so bad. Hey, Joe Dugan. And, yep. I know you. That's exactly what he sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, 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 I look back on those days and I think of all the people I met. And I remember so many of them. And none of them made it and one it's of tough. them it's, it's one it's, of them it's like one in a million uh among the among the open micers there were a few regulars there who have work now uh don barris used to come in he was a regular there and he would come in on sundays and do his set he's now the warm-up guy for jimmy kimmel so he's doing all right oh now. that's yeah. a good gig um doug benson used to be there and this was before he was all about the weed and he was very different back then he i don't was, know uh, who is he he's 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 a big weed comedian oh he okay. does a he does a podcast or did a called doug loves movies mm-hmm. he's he's a he's known among the comedy world okay and respected but he was very different back then he was very buttoned down and deliberate and had these kind of stephen wright sort of jokes he was funny but just different and i i look back at that going oh okay so it's okay to change who you are because I've changed just in six years. I've, I've oh, changed I'm things up. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's been a trip, just just looking back and seeing how these people changed. And part of it is just stick to ativity, you know? You right. just stay with it, you'll get better at right. it. Right, of course. And that's, you know, I, but I, I quit back in 89 or so because I just didn't, I think, I look back, I think I did maybe, maybe 40 mics in my entire period back then, I just, which is nothing. And I, I didn't write too many jokes, and I didn't know what I was doing, and nobody gave a shit, and I just, I, I don't know what to do here, so I just kind of stopped. But you don't do them now. I mean, are the open mics now out of your desire? You just want to do gigs. Yeah, but again, that's part of the big desert that I'm walking into now, because it's, you can't, it's harder to get things out of these open mics. When you're starting out, you have things like nerves, like speaking into the microphone, like finding your light, like having your jokes memorized which I believe you should do even at an open mic. Most people don't, but I think you should. Um, and that stuff, you need to master that stuff. After a while, you have all that down, and then you're going, okay, well, what am I doing here? Right. But it, then you get atrophy because you're not doing anything. So I'll force myself to go out once a week or so, and that's the lull I'm in right now, Right. to go out once a week and, and just, just right. do it just to do it. Uh, and you know, it's nice when you're older because some of these newbies who don't know you to you, they are an actual audience, and they treat you as such because you're not, you're not in a room full of comedians, and they all, especially if they know each other, they're all kind of like, eh, whatever. I don't want to. Who is this guy? I, I just wait for my turn. Give me another beer, eh. and they're not having fun. But when I go up there, I'm wearing a jacket. Sometimes I will open with old stuff just to sort of train the audience, like, oh shit, this guy's a real comedian. We should right. pay attention. And all of a sudden, you've kind of won them over a little right. bit. It but doesn't always work. It's it's old to you, but it's new to them. Right. You know, exactly, and that, but but the the point being is you're trying to treat a room full of comedians as an actual audience, and it's not easy to do, right. especially if they are if they know you and if they've been in the game as long as you have or longer. But if right. you go to an open mic where they don't know who you are, and you're wearing a jacket and you're older, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, wearing a jacket just for for you guys in the room and for anybody listening, when in life, fellas, trust me, put on a jacket. 
I don't know what it is, but people suddenly think you're a college professor. <laughs> <laughs> and you got instant respect. They right? treat you like an authority. And glasses. Yeah, too. I've got I've gotten MC gigs because I'm wearing a jacket. Honest <laughs> to God. They think- and and the material of the jacket, I don't. I've seen guys wearing blazers and they're seeping through them in their armpits. You see the sweat. Yeah. I don't think I've seen you sweat through your armpits. Oh. I've seen it in your shirts. Yeah. But well, not in your jackets. No, I don't. Well. Because that would distract on. me greatly. Right. I think you were a college I've, professor. But maybe I've, you can put like Dr. Scholl's in the yeah, armpit. Yeah, I've done that. I've actually worn a jacket and a shirt and then a t-shirt underneath to try yeah, to right. sop up what I can. Right. And then I dry clean those fuckers. Right, right. I, I, I got a big dry cleaning bill because I got a. <laughs> I, I'm afraid yeah. my jackets are going to stink, and I don't want to offend people with walking around. Oh, there's the guy with the stinky jacket. Right. His dick jokes would have been so much funnier if his jacket didn't. Stink. God, that reminds me, like when I was, you know, really just broke and struggling, I'd have to go to the. Uh, what are they called? The thrift shops to get clothes. Right. And I get blazers and jackets and they stunk to high hell from the odors of the former right. wearer. Yeah. And, and it you- was that ripe, burnt fabric dude yeah. stink that would emit when you mixed your sweat with theirs. Yeah. It smelled gross. They smell like death. Yeah. Death. I bought those. And in fact, I've spent more money on dry cleaning the jacket than the jacket. I'll buy a jacket at a thrift store for five or ten bucks once in a while. Mm-hmm. To this day. Ten bucks. Yeah. Not recently, but yeah, it's a little mm, ten yeah. bucks. But then I'll go get it dry cleaned, and it's fifteen or twenty bucks. Yeah, I'm going. I got it consistently. Clean. I don't yes. know what who's worn this, but right. in any event, let it dry in the sun. Getting back. Oh, that's really. Oh yeah. Uh, what I do is uh, I, I I love thrift stores. Half of my closet are thrift stores. Is that true? Oh yeah, I go all the time. The 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 compliments I get the most on anything I wear, it's always from a thrift store. Wow. But it's got that smell. I let it hang in the sun for a week. The sun will get rid of it. Then I wash it. It's fine. But now, what if it's a dark garment? Doesn't the sun bleach it and lighten it? No. Really? No. I mean, I don't let it up for a month, but a week, oh. it, it goes away. And the trick is, I hang it right side in and inside out. Okay. It, it, right in the sun all day long. It's fine. All right. Yeah. I'll remember that. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. But I don't, how we, what were we talking about? I have Material no idea. We're ta- yeah, we're talking about basically you're done with mics, open mics. Yeah, it, it's they're it's, for losers. No, and they're you're not done. I, and there are a lot grown of up. And a lot if of, you're doing an open mic, fuck you. Fuck you. That's yeah. That's a great way. To, great attitude. But I, no. I, well, no, it's, you have to start there. You, you, you have do. To. You do. But at the same no, time, there's nowhere else to go. And what really it is is reason. actually, I'm just kidding. The open mic dynamic is. Anyone can do it. It's yeah. open to anybody. Right. So it makes you not have to be George Carlin to go on a stage and talk. Oh, the pressure is totally off. Right. Uh, there are no scouts at open mics. But at the same time, you have to ask yourself, why am I here? What, am I, what do I hope to gain from this? And I like to do open mics at places where I can, because I'm learning it's more than just about writing good jokes and memorizing them and reciting them. After a while, you know, anybody can do that. You realize that. What, it's, what I'm trying to figure out is this weird dance where you're actually connecting with an audience. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a conversation, but it's, you're the only one doing the talking. Right. And it's a tricky beast. And I've seen people who, who do it. And it's, it's so... What's, what's, what's amazing about it to me is that it doesn't look very different from what I'm already doing. But it's actually very different from what I'm doing. And mm. I can't explain it any better than that. But there are people who will do that. Like, watch... The clips of, of Patrice O'Neill, for example, mm-hmm. everybody was just enwrapped with what this guy, not just the heaviness of the social shit that he was saying and the, the quality of the jokes, but he was having a conversation with people mm-hmm. and they were just in it. They were responding right. with laughs, of course, but, right. but he was that's engaging, an example of a guy. Really yeah, I think them. so. When I think of a comedian who was just like 
not just telling jokes at people, but engaging them. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's the guy I think of, and I'm going, wow, how do you do that? But isn't that isn't that almost going back to what you were voted on in high school? It's about you being a unique personality, right? And tapping into that, not being an alternate personality. I would assume the more you do it, and the more comfortable you get, you're actually more comfortable just being yourself. Yes, and I've so, done a lot of that. Where I'll walk, I've, especially at open mics, where the pressure is totally off. I'll go up and just start improvising and fratching and and just going off on topics. Isn't that the best? When it works, yeah. When it but doesn't isn't that, work, isn't that the goal? I mean, let me ask you this question: Who is your? And I'm, I'm like, I can only assume the people you're going to mention are very unique personalities. Who is your? I don't know, four, five. Who's the 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 Mount Rushmore of comedy oh, for you? First one that comes to mind has got to be George Carlin. Okay. I mean, the, the, the way he can just pick apart what the shit that's going on right. in society now. And that's a pretty unique personality. Yeah. I don't think he was acting. I think that's who the man no, was. That really is who he was. Right. And 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 it, and it worked. He, he worked best when he actually had a point. Sometimes right. he was just mad. And there were some things he was right. mad about. I'm like like and he made fun of you know what else is another group of people I just want to jam ear picks into their assholes or you know <laughs> these people, what are these goddamn rock stars with one word names? I heard that one, I'm going, wait a minute. People like them, George. I think you're <laughs> yeah. I think you're off base on this one. But um there's that guy there's um, uh, I, I I love watching Bill Maher's show, which is not to say all of Bill Maher because it's not all Bill Maher. It's obviously some Bill Maher, but a lot of it is his writers too. But just the way they can pick apart the horseshit going on in society nowadays right. so elegantly. A uh, John Oliver is another show that I think does it better than I think. These shows are the modern day Carlins and Lenny Bruce's and Richard Pryor's right. in their own way. The way they can just look at the news headlines of the right. week and just eviscerate them right. in a way it's, that makes perfect well, sense. Well, comedy slash so, social commentary, commentary, satirism, yeah, all of and that. And we need it now. Um, I, I got paid, and I just put this on Facebook today, which you I think you saw. Um, I, was, I just came back from the Seattle International Comedy Competition, which is probably the nicest line on my resume. So Congratulations. Far. It's not easy to get into. Were so you invited? Just, yeah. Well, I had to apply, but yeah. I got but in. you were picked, and so yeah. a lot of people were not picked. Yeah, that's and it's great. A, it's a big one. That's it's not, very. It's not cool. one of these. A lot of these competitions and festivals are just money grabs. This one is not. This wow. one has developed a reputation for, for, as good talent. Like people could get springboarded from this. thing. It happens. Industry oh. shows up. People have gotten signed and deals. Wow. From, at this, con- yeah. Well, the fact that you were there, you have no idea who saw you. Right. Congrats. And, you know, Cheers to you. Thank you. And, uh, that's awesome. As time goes on, none of them contacted me, so I'm guessing, <laughs> guessing <laughs> they didn't like what they saw. But, um, well, you just got back. I just got back. But um, I, the guy who runs it is a great guy named Peter Gray, who paid me a compliment a few nights ago. He said, and at first it was a little weird. He said, you, you are the kind of guy, you should have replaced Jack Parr. And I'm going, okay, so you think I'm 90? Like, what, <laughs> what are you saying here, sir? And I, I think he said he just appreciated my uh, approach towards societal humor or something or or he said he he really wanted to see me interview people yeah oh that right now i get you know i'm starting to get that thrown at me so maybe i should start a podcast maybe you should no one's done that right comedians haven't done any of those (laughs) max and i i think have started the genre yeah i think i'd have to come up with a new (laughs) angle for the podcast if i just started one out of of thin air yeah but but we were in the car for 90 minutes you didn't ask me one question yeah i'm not that interested in you max (laughs) Seen it all, heard it all, blah, blah, blah. I actually call your wife once in a while. I say, how's Max yeah, doing? And she tells me she's much more interesting. She really is. <laughs> but uh, mm, I, uh, 
Whoa. How, how what I, the I don't fuck know. How, was that? I don't know. I forgot how we got on this. Oh. I, I asked you. I asked you. You're talking Rushmore. about the Seattle. Yeah. Oh, oh. You, you got in the Seattle thing. I, I asked you who your Mount Rushmore people was. But what the do you thing have is, Alzheimer's? Though, and then we got on. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I want to ask you, though. You, you, you applied, but you were picked. You know, it's almost like, you know, going to South by Southwest if you're a band or something. Yeah. You know, I, I always put everything in a, in a band context because that's my life. But I, I get it. When you were doing your shows, uh, like, 100 people in the audience, 200 people? Did, oh, yeah. Was it a good turnout? Oh, yeah. Every show was, uh, two were in big actual playhouse type theaters. And those had uh, 200 people. Wow. Because okay. yeah. that's bigger probably than most shows you do locally, right? What do, you, what do you mean? As far as the number of people. Oh, yeah. Oh, I rarely do shows with that many people in them. Rarely. So that's great. That and was, yeah. Just, just so that's being good, in front of that many people was And great. to engage 200 people mm-hmm. is a lesson in itself. Yeah. Especially when you can't see them. Oh, because some the of the lights li- are in your some eyes. Some of the lightings, yeah, you've right. got to bluff your way through as right. if you're making eye contact. So another little trick I've learned is before you go on stage, stand in the house and try to see where, where everybody's sitting. I then, saw oh. Joe at a bowling alley once to really? stand up. Yeah, and there was bowlers in the background. And wow. You gotta, st- he made it work. You got to wow. deal with it, yeah. I got to come. You got to, I've had that feeling. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but there was, there was that. There was, are there you was getting rest- laid as a comedian? Not really, but you don't want to. I think he's tapped out on the ladies thing. Yeah, yeah. really. So the women, you I, think he's in a, I think he's. Done. What if it's a really hot girl comedian? He doesn't give a shit. Do you know one? You like? Uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm just in a weird place there. I don't All know right. what it is. I like my, I like my life the way it is. That's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I like women, but I'm just <laughs> I, crankier than ever. I, you're, you're, I need a woman who's as cranky as I am. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Well, they're out there. Trust who me. Who has her own life. Yeah. And just doesn't want to change me and doesn't. Right. It's like great. And you're you don't want to. And change maybe her. wants to see you once a month. Yeah. Have fun and then put you. Like, Goodbye. I'll call exactly. you. Exactly. I want like. Remember when Woody Allen was married to Mia Farrow and they had apartments across Central Park from each other and they right. wave to each other in the morning. Sure. That's what I want. That okay. was before he was. Fucking that was before. Her kids. That's she right. found out that. So you want someone with about eight kids? Yeah. I want and, somebody. And one of them is really cute. Exactly. I want somebody who lives in a condo in my complex across the way so we can wave at each other in the morning right. and then uh, and then I'll see you in a week or right. something. And you, you know? can tell yourself you're with this girl without really having to be with her. It's, uh, isn't it You perfect? get the best of both. Yeah. That just sounds pretty good. Yeah. Plus, no, I don't meet... There aren't too many... There are comedy groupies. I don't meet too many of them. That has not happened. I, I've met a few. Nothing's... I don't think anything's really happened. I'm trying to remember, but nothing's... <laughs> not much has happened. Things have happened. There are now, things that have happened. But, but that could be... Do you talk about that in your act? No. I don't talk about that. Do you Perhaps get personal? Or is it yeah. more societal? I, I get, told you to get more personal. I've, and I think you've become more you in your act because you started out this character. You would come out on stage with a, with a bell. Oh, yeah. I did the bell. And you ding every yeah. time you told a joke. Sometimes and, I would tell a joke and go bing. Or, I, I, and I and you, you had all these weird premises. And I pulled you aside. I'm like, what happened to you? Right. It, You're you know so what? much funnier than Well, that was weird... going back to my other point. I, th- I would assume the more you do this, the more you... You, yeah. you become. It's in a way. It's and like now thera- you're you. In a way, it's like therapy in the sense that you don't get to the shit right away. Mm-hmm. It takes months and months and months of just the therapist hammering away, and then one day, stuff comes out, and it's kind of like that. And then you, you, so I have to go through these phases. And I, you're right. I did a lot of weird crap when right. I first started doing stand up, and then you start. You just start talking, and then the act of talking normally with a normal cadence is will bring people in, and they're not. They're laughing. With you, they're not laughing at you. Right. There are a lot of comedians you're not, you're who have not this sort of carrot talk going, Wah! Yeah, you know? which is, I mean, that's his style. Right. No knock on him. He's making a bazillion dollars a year right now. I hear he's pretty fucking funny. And I've, I, uh, I just bought his DVD 
at a yard sale. Really? Yes. Because I thought, gosh, I hear this guy is really crazy. I've seen him a bunch of times in the Jerry Lewis telethon, and I remember laughing at Carrot Top because he just pulls out props and does weird right. shit with it. And obviously, he looks kind of carved up and odd. But I bought this DVD, and I'm kind of excited to get a little fucked up and see what Carrot Top's really about. I bet he's really funny. Yeah, but I he's, mean, the, he's a guy that obviously you know when the lights are off, he's not that guy. Right. He's, he is playing a character. Right. And it's working. That's fine. But well, I, don't, I don't see that that's going to be your is he? road. I mean, is he really playing a character? I, I think I saw one interview with him when he, he was, was more actually, subdued. Yeah, he was. I mean, I think if you were that way all the time, I think you'd probably kill yourself. Yeah, but my and this is an interesting. I don't conversation. think he's that. No, I never met the guy. I, I but, wonder. I, I, I've well, seen him too in interviews, though. But he he seems like he's that guy. Well, here's maybe the just thing. a little more amped up. Mm. But I got a couple things to say. Number one, I met Caratop a few years ago. I was at the World Series of Comedy in Las Vegas, and he came to speak to us one day. But a hundred comedians sitting there, and he just told his story about how he got started and all that. And he took time to post for pictures with all of us. And as I blog posted after that, I think we can all stop the Carrot Top bashing because he is a really nice guy. I'm sure. And he yeah. told the whole no. story about how when he started, he was he felt like a piece of crap. And, you know, right. no, he was... I'm la- intrigued by him. He was right. laughed at and nobody took him seriously. Right. And he went to New York and bombed and everyone said, you're an asshat. What are you doing with this trunk full of props, you idiot? And But he finally caught on. And the other thing I wanted to say is I don't think any of those on stage characters or personas are entirely out of whole cloth. I think Andrew mm. Dice Clay really does have a little bit of him that's like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think Carrot Top has a little bit of him. Did you see like it that. when he talked to you? I, mm, not really. But he, I think, he was someone different. He was more yeah, subdued and more he was normal. A, he and, was a regular dude. Right. Exactly. He spoke to us just like a dude. It's right. like I started that, That's what I would think he would. Yeah. Because yeah. if he was like that in real, real life, I think he would go mad. Yeah. But 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 point being, I don't think that started out of nothing. Right. I think there's a that, part that's a of part him of him that's like that, mm-hmm. and I think that's true of all comedians who are who are like that. Mm-hmm. What's what's magical to me are the people who are just naturally like that, and then they get on stage and they blow the roof off. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that's mystical to me, how they can just walk around and be that way, and then they can just sort of oh, this is the part where I do material, mm-hmm. and it sounds like a conversation, right? And they turn it on and turn it yeah. off, and I guess it's either a gift or. Hours and hours of honing it down. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, like a, I've gone to Largo a few times to see Pat Oswalt's monthly show, mm. where he'll have I like him a lot. Sarah Silverman and Bill right. Burr, people like that, and he'll come on stage to open before the MC comes out. He'll just come on and talk, and it's fucking hilarious because he just. But it's not. They're not bits. Right. If they are bits, he's weaving them into conversation right. so effortlessly you don't notice. Right. But it's so easy with him, and right. at the same, that reminds me of the time I went to Largo and saw. Uh, Who's the, oh, I keep forgetting this. Spoken word guy used to be a punk rocker. Henry Rollins? Henry Rollins, yeah. Yeah, that guy's amazing. Yeah, he is. Of course he is. That guy's unbelievable. He's one of my all-time yeah. biggie heroes. Right. He's really funny. Yeah. Funny, but nonstop. Right. And that's that's remarkable. And that's, there's a guy, and I, I kind of wonder if stand-up is evolving to something else right now, because... You know, we just, Max and I were just talking about Pat Oswalt's recent special, where yeah. he talks about his wife dying. Have you seen that, Lorenzo? Right. No, I know about it though. Dude, check yeah. it. It's so good. Short list of the best Netflix it's comedy crushing. specials. Really, but hilarious. Yeah. Okay, but it it's got long moments where it's not funny because it's not he's funny. talking about how right. shitty this is. Right. And there was the guy who did. There's something called Three Mics. I think it was Mike Berbiglia. Forgive, forgive me. I forgot the name of the comedian who did Three Mics. But Mike One is just you know waka waka kind of jokes. Mike Two is more conversational stand up, and Mike Three are stories. And he tells these stories that are not funny about his anxiety. And I, I, I kind of wonder, is stand-up 
going in that direction into something that's not on just... stage confessionals. Yeah, right. Yeah. Or just people... more being raw and engaging. Yeah, and not really joke, 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 joke. Right, and that's and joke, 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 joke gets boring. Yeah, I've seen that, and I I get bored doing it, and I don't blame audiences for getting bored mm-hmm. because it's not. Again, the 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 architecture of a joke is one thing, but you need to build a house. Right. You know? How do you handle hecklers? Luckily, I don't get too many of them. That's great. You roll with it. A lot of it is that I think the best way to handle a heckler is to be ready for them before you go on stage. Don't go on stage saying, I am going to recite these jokes. It's not a play. It's a conversation. And once in a while, somebody responds differently than with laughter. And you got to acknowledge it. And this will happen. I've got... It's, it's great practice to, to, in the moment, decide instantly, do I acknowledge this or not? My first night, second night in Seattle... I came out with this opener that I do that always, always, always works. It was, um, I walk on stage, I grab the mic, and before I even take the mic out of the stand, I say, hey, everybody, first of all, I know what you're all thinking. You're looking at me going, wow, that little guy from Game of Thrones is really tall in person. <laughs> always works. And while they're laughing, I take the mic out of the stand, and I put the mic stand aside, and then I start my set. because That's I know, a great icebreaker. And I know it's going to get a laugh. That's yeah, why I completely, wait uh, to take the, the mic out at that moment. Right. Tuesday, Friday night, second night, I do this up in, in uh, Auburn. We're at this big theater in Auburn outside of Seattle. I do this opening. I put the mic stand down. I turn around back to the audience, and some drunk woman in the back goes, Tyrion! Because that's the name of his... Tyrion, what's his name? Tyrion Lannister? Is that the guy's name? On, on Game I of don't Thrones? watch that fucking show. I have no idea. Okay. I thought you, you for sure... I do watch. not watch that We're show. We're the only two in the Western oh, Hemisphere. Apparently, the three it. of us are the only people who don't watch it. I've never Ugh. seen it. But she said it loud enough for the whole room to hear it. And I had about a third of a second to say to myself, <laughs> do I respond to this person? Wow. Or do I keep going? And I just, I kept going. Good. Which is kind of, kind of like code for shut the fuck up. This is about me. There've been, you know, 12 other comedians who've gone up before me. So you should fucking know by now. Don't heckle. Right. Yeah. But again, you have to gauge that right. because there are all these factors going on. Right. I mean, the MC has got to acknowledge it. The MC has to say, right. hey, this isn't television. We can hear you or right. whatever that comeback is. But that's just have. part of your chops. I mean, yeah. that's, just, that's just a tool yeah. that you yeah. did, you, the, over time, when, once it happens, you just you just know what to do. Yeah. And it just takes a lot it, of, you haven't had a lot of those situations. No. So, but if you did, then, oh, this is situation number 100 of a heckler. I know right. what to do. Right. Know? But it's it's a tough thing because you right. don't, you, there's no way to practice it. Right. That's what's hard about you gotta it. You got to be on stage getting a heckler. You've got to just do it over and over again. Right. And then practice getting right. heckled. Right. So, but I don't get too much of that, fortunately. Let me go back to what you said because I think there's also just one natural thing. Besides people trying to be funny and writing funny things, they can talk about Pat Oswalt just goes on stage and just starts talking. He's hysterical. It's just because he's a funny guy. Right. Yeah. People are just funny. Yeah. Now, can you be a comedian and be intellectually and, and be uh, clever, but you're not really funny in real life? Does that happen? Because I think that the people that can go on stage and just talk are just funny. Their brain works that way. They have a bent. They can see anything and just make it funny off the cuff. Yeah, but not everybody pro- is off the cuff funny. Yeah, but you're probably funny in real life if you can do that. If you can write funny. If you can, if you can go on stage and, and be funny, then you could probably be funny off stage. No, but too. I'm saying though, if you don't write it, if you can be a patent, if you have to be a Patton Oswald funny just by talking. It takes it takes a long time to get there. Okay. What you don't see are the all the years and years of crappy open mics they did. Bill Burr has talked about this because oh, he's really? been doing comedy for 25 years mm-hmm. or something. And for years and years and years, it was set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline. And there's a reason nobody knows who Bill Burr was 20 years ago. 
is because he was just another face in the crowd. And only in the last five, ten years has he blown up because he reached, he, I mean, in addition to all the work that he put in, he reached a point where he was able to speak in a more extemporaneous way. Um, I think his podcast has helped him with that. I've seen him, I've heard his, I used to listen to his podcast, not as much as anymore, but I used to. And then literally two, three days later, I'd be in a club and he would do a drop-in and he would do that bit that he did on the podcast. <laughs> right. It's not that he was testing it out so much in the podcast. I think he was practicing extemporizing. And I think that thought probably occurred to him. But it's, it's to the point, I'll see, like Bill Burr is one of the few who will walk on stage with notes, which is verboten in a show where people are paying money. Oh, really? But the guy is so... I saw Carlin do that. Yeah. But again, if they're legends, you, you'll let them you, get away you with get anything. You get a pass. And he's reached that point where he's respected enough. I see. But he's not reciting, he's not reading from a script. Right. It's a, it's a card that has like nine words on it. And he's trying things out. Exactly. But he knows, but he know he just doesn't know what subject is next. But he knows enough when he sees the word, you know parrots or whatever he's talking he doesn't talk about parrots but he talks about, <laughs> yeah, you know more more substantial things than that he knows what that is and he'll just launch into it because he's probably he probably thinks about this crap all day and then he can see he's, he's had so much practice talking i've noticed people who work in radio uh former people in radio and podcasters are very good at this it's not that they're necessarily the best joke writers but they're very good at talking extemporaneously and they know how to fill time they know how they can they have a patter and they, it's not hard for them to get up in front of a room full of people and fill the time in an engaging way. Mm-hmm. So they can take that thought and they can craft it into some kind of a joke. And I've, I've done that at times. I'll just, I'll start talking about something and then I'll just do an aside and I'll just keep going. But things will occur to you because you've done that before. And that's the benefit of doing this years and years, you know, of, of, of experience in the past. And that's the benefit of a guy doing a podcast every Monday morning or having worked for years in radio. And I've done, I've done shows with people who've worked in radio and you can tell because they've got this inherent effortless ability to maintain a pace and they can, they can lead the audience. They can say, here's the joke and there's let the audience laugh. And then when the laughter, before the laughter is almost done, they'll start the next joke. Right. I'm curious, having said all that and Bill Burr and his process today, as a comedian, where are you as far as your approach, comfort level, being, you know, Joe? And are you, like I asked before, are you personal? I mean, obviously, you can talk about Trump forever and today's climate. Are you more, do you get stuff from the news and you just riff off what's happening uh, topically? I, I, or? I do both. And I, I tell you, one thing that was an eye-opener in Seattle and also a little bit depressing was that my favorite comedians in Seattle were the ones who were talking about stuff outside of them. Um, there were 16 of us in Seattle. Among the other 15, I think my favorite was a guy named Andrew Frank who had some stuff about the Bible that I thought was so funny. And I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I'm, I'm, it wasn't about him. It was about the Bible. And it was just the very simple observations. I'm going, oh my God, this is brilliant. Um, like he was talking about, um, you know, I'll quote from the Bible. God said, you know, thou shalt not spill thy seed on the ground. He was like, why do we need this rule? Did caught, did, who's jerking off on the ground? <laughs> Which is a simple, I mean, the funniest shit comes from dumb crap that your wife or your mom says or right, something, because then right. you can just extrapolate the illogic of it. And right. the Bible is the perfect place for this because it's filled with illogical shit. And so you have this thing about thou shalt not spill my seed on this ground. Who's, why do we need this rule? Did God come down and say, okay, everybody, what the fuck is this? What? It's everywhere. What have you people been doing? And I, every time Andrew did it, I just lost it because it was such a funny idea. Oh, fuck. Call Noah. Build an ark. We're going to have a flood. we got to wash all this shit away now. I mean, it, it was such a funny idea. And I'm going, oh, my God. That's been 
right in front of my face right. all this time. And I bring it up because I, I like that kind of humor, and yet people will still get in my face and say, talk about your life. I'm going, my life is boring. I've never been married. I've never been divorced. I have no kids. I've never spent a night in a hospital. I've never been arrested. Nothing fucking interesting has happened to me. Why do you want to know about my life? I'd rather talk about the bullshit in the Bible. I'd rather talk about how you know Congress has an approval He didn't rating. understand why, and he's been on a bunch of my shows from the past, but he right. didn't understand why we wanted him here tonight. You're entertaining. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't yeah. I mean, you, I appreciate. You that. can't look at you. I'm totally entertained. I appreciate that. I got a million questions. Keep going. Well, I, you want to make this a two parter, man? Yeah, well, you might on. have to be because I, I didn't on. want it to be like a two hour podcast. I have to scratch my balls. All right, Max has to scratch his nuts. Oh God! All right, get a crane. Can I? <laughs> can I talk for a minute now? Yeah. How, now you, you, comedy is sort of a science for you. I yeah. think everything is very analytical yes. and broken down on that giant fucking head. Yes, I do treat stand-up comedy like a puzzle. You do. Everything is very uh, scientific. So now you're t- at a point where the comedy store, your comedy store teacher, you started taking stand-up class with... Uh, I started taking stand-up classes six years ago with a guy named Jerry Corley. Who, Jerry Corley. He's got a... Like, yeah, he's And got I've it. been to Jerry Corley showcases. Mm-hmm. Not I went to yours mm-hmm. at the comedy store. I went to my friend Stephanie's at the comedy store. I go to these things. They're pretty insufferable, and yeah. sometimes they're amazing, and you were amazing at yours. I appreciate that. And then all of a sudden... Judd Apatow pops up, and he closes the show. Unannounced. Unannounced. Wow, how cool. Because he has like the main room show at 10. Mm. This show's at 9. He pops up. He does 10 minutes. I'm telling you, like when I saw my friend Stephanie, Judd came up there, and it was just like, wow. I, I'd never seen Judd Apatow. I respect him totally as a filmmaker. And was he funny? Freaks and geeks and uh, 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 the, 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 the 40-year-old virgin. The and- 40-year-old. Well, I'm not so... F- Oh, I that. love that movie. Oh, I think that movie's fantastic. <laughs> but but yes, he was hilarious. And and all of his material was Trump. And and you know, how many times have we covered the Trump stuff? It's yeah. it just keeps providing. I saw a comedian saying that uh who was it that I saw? It was Patton. Remember when Patton was talking about there's too much Trump material? You'll see. I don't want to give it away for Lorenzo. But boy, was it a great point. Um but now you're teaching stand up. Yeah. Yeah, I, for oh, Jerry. Yeah. Jerry uh, had hired, there were a few of us that Jerry would hire once in a while to substitute here and there because he'd have a gig or something and we'd go substitute for one night and he'd been talking about having me take over a class so I took over a Saturday class um, about two months ago, maybe a little more. The, the, the new session just started and uh, uh, yeah, he, he, I'm the first uh, regular substitute teacher who's taken an entire class over for him. So well, now congrats. His, so yeah, but it's I, I like it because it... You know, there's an old saying, the best way to learn something is to teach it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it's helping me because it, it forces you to be incredibly analytical about other people's stand-up. Right. And you can say things like, hold the mic closer. I mean, anybody can tell you that. But, you know, you need to say things like, yeah, I think that needs some editing. I think you need to. Are you mm-hmm. a gentle coach or oh, yeah. are you a hard ass? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, it's, you got to keep it light because a lot of these people yeah. are petrified. So sure. you definitely have to but keep it But how honoring that of everyone that he could have asked, he asked you. Yeah, he probably thought that you had a good grasp on what needed to be taught. Yeah, no, he trusted which means you, me. You've done your homework. Yeah, and he's been a great inspiration too because of his positivity. I mean, the way he treated me when I first met him. Because I'm like, I, can I do this? I don't know. And I went up, and 
I remember I he had a he had a, a a Groupon or an Amazon local or one of those things for a weekend workshop that he teaches to get people to start taking the class. And I took the workshop and I and part of it is a lot of it just here's how you can structure here's this kind of joke structure here's that kind of joke structure here's an exercise in class pop 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 cover a bunch of stuff and then everybody goes up and does three minutes. If you've got stuff, great. Because some people have done stand up before, some people haven't. I said whatever you got, and I went up there and I cobbled together these three minutes that I had. And he actually said at the end, he said, you know what? I bet if we tightened that, you could probably go audition at Potluck at the Comedy Store. Wow. And you might get passed. Wow. Yeah, that's the, kind of, and that's the level of where I was at when I started, which is another recurring theme in my life. I wait too fucking long to start things. <laughs> Going, wait a minute. I guess I should have started this a long time ago. Right. Like, yeah, dumbass. You should have. Well, you're for? a late bloomer. That's all. Back to Lorenzo's point, though, about like true funny. I mean, I am a person that's never believed you can teach comedy. But I do believe you can teach, like with stand-up, you can teach how to get up on stage, talk into a microphone, and hit jokes. Yes. Oh, the technical aspect. There of is it? a technical aspect to stand-up. Absolutely, including the structure of a joke. There's right. absolutely a scientific aspect for the yeah. structure of a joke. I don't know if that's true of every joke. Uh, a lot of uh, jokes are the marriage of the phrasing and the delivery. And there are some people who just are... Inimitable. I mean, Stephen Wright wouldn't be nearly as funny if he talked <laughs> like us. Right. He's funny because he sounds like he's on downers. Right. I mean, that's what makes that's part of what makes that so hysterical. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so that's part of it. But at the same time, a lot of jokes. I mean, especially a perfect example is any late night monologue. You listen to any yeah. Colbert or, right. or Kimmel or Fallon, Fallon or any of these right. people. All of them. All of those jokes are three way buildups or incongruities yeah. or misdirects. All of them. That's what's a misdirect. A misdirect is where you think a joke is going one way and it goes another right. way. It's, it's basically you're assuming facts, not in evidence. Right, right. It's like, I mean, I'll rip this one off. Jerry does this all the time because when he teaches, he has a showcase with his students. He Part of his introduction is he talks about how comedy can't be taught. He right. says, well, comedy can be taught. You know, here's an example of a misdirect. I was at a hotel in Reno and at five o'clock in the morning, the chambermaid was banging on the door, just banging and banging and banging. Finally, I went up, I went to the closet and let her out. <laughs> Misdirect. Why? Because you assumed she was in the hallway trying to get in. That's a misdirect. Right. I mean, there's, there's, that's a common trope in right. comedy. Right. Um, and a lot of jokes have those things buried into them. Watch. Uh, 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 oh crap! Who's the guy from Pittsburgh? The guy from Pittsburgh. Thoughts, who did Thoughts and Prayers on Netflix? Was it Anthony? Oh, Jeselnik. He has a that lot of That was a pretty sh sharp, brutal show, yeah. I, you know, he was, he's funny. He's yeah. a good guy. But uh, you, like if you watch the structure of his jokes, there's yeah. a lot of misdirects in you're there. You're right, you're right. He's got stuff in there. You assume one thing, and then all of a sudden, it's something else. And it's pretty dark, too, and that's what right. people laugh at is the dark shit. Do you like, I mean, when you learn all the techniques, and you, and you, you can choose, okay, I can have a joke that does this, or I can have a joke. You, have, you get a whole toolbox, and you get to choose what kind of jokes you want. Do you like misdirection? Oh, yeah. Do you use misdirection in your act? Certainly. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, my favorite kinds are simple truths. I love jokes that are just like things that are in everybody's face that you mm -hmm. don't even realize. Like my opener about looking like the guy from Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. You, it's, it's a fact that's right in your face and you don't realize it. Right. Until somebody <laughs> says it. Right. Uh, who was it? I think it was... Oh. And the funny thing is that you're saying it. Yeah. But it, it works when, when it comes from a personal place. Right. Um, uh but we had a student uh, in the class a few months ago who loved donuts. And when he told jokes about <laughs> donuts, they were funny. Anybody can write a joke about a donut. They were funny when he did it mm -hmm. because he literally, and I'm not making this up, he would drool 
talking about donuts. <laughs> and that was so and that's funny. What was a donut joke of his? I, oh, I, I don't remember any of his jokes, actually. But the, the, the passion that he had, he was, it was like he was talking about, you know, a, a, a painting in the Louvre or something, the way he wrote about <laughs> donuts. But, I, but the simple truth thing, I love the simple truth. Like, um, I, I think, I think, forgive me, I think it was Matt Kirshen was on... Uh, Craig Ferguson a few years ago, and he had a bit where he was talking about. I, he was, I was talking to a, chi- a, a woman who was talking about, you know, the plague of, of like sugar, uh, you know, ruining kids' teeth. And I'm fucking up the bit, but it's something like the mother said, "This is the worst plague that's ever plagued, you know, children." And he's like, "I would think the plague would be worse than the plague, you know." <laughs> yeah. But it's again, it's an example of taking one thing, going back to the Bible. You take something ridiculous and right. just extrapolate the illogic of it, and. It's, I love things like that. I used to have a bit I used to do a long time ago talking about how nice they were at work. They gave us free food. They gave us uh, fresh fruit, and they gave us dried fruit. And the fresh fruit was out in the open, and the dried fruit was in resealable bags. And there was no follow-up to that, but right. I just thought it was a funny observation. It is. It is. It Why is the dried it, fruit in a resealable illogical. bag? And then I would, you know, you see, everybody, <laughs> right. the... the I'm going to try to explain the fact that fresh fruit will go bad if it's right. done in a bag. Yes. <laughs> I had to think about that one. But I love, yeah, that's, which is another problem. But I always that. feel yeah. If you have to explain you. the joke, then, you know. But that's another, that's, that's another thing that I've struggled with, too, is my, some of my jokes are too smart. <laughs> and I'll tell a joke. and then You've always to, been too smart. I'll too to smart comedian. Tap the mic afterwards. And, and one, a headliner once told me, he said, I love your stuff. Be dumber. And I thought he was kidding. And he said, no, seriously, be dumber. Right. Yeah. I'm like, Dumb really? it down. Too smart. Wow, I guess there goes my shit about the Federal Reserve. Right, exactly. So am I funny to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, you're hilarious. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, hey. Huh? Yeah, look at you. Look at me. Huh? Yeah. This is a comedy mentor. That's talk. right. You didn't take no class. I didn't take any class in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're very good at, at you, 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 you will extrapolate a moment. You'll add on to a moment. And people are good at indulging you. Right. I love it when Brett Pearson's just is the straight man to you. Just ask you, what does that mean? Because he's an improv guy. He's all about yes and. Right. What does that yeah. mean? What? What? Oh, Mr. Yeah. Cook, what's going on, sir? I, I'm seeing him tomorrow, and we have developed this. Compl- it's like all we do is bicker when we're just the two of us, and it's awesome. The best, when we did baseball back in 1999, yeah. we acted in a play. Brett, uh, I saw it. You were in it? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't really know you then. Yeah, we didn't I was know there. Each other. This was a long time ago. I remember baseball. He was on uh, the team. Yeah. Oh, okay. And the, all of his scenes were with Adam Shoulder. Oh, okay. The best, the best part of that was hanging out before or after the show, usually after when the pressure was off yeah. and we were getting drunk, yeah. and just you and Brett goofing off. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brett's hysterical. Yeah. yeah. But that was the best. And Brett would just tee him up for you and you would go off. <laughs> that, was, that was funny shit. And he's just naturally funny. Yeah. He's just a funny human yeah. being. Yeah. And yeah, Brett, just, Brett Pearson. Shout out to Brett Pearson. Oh, absolutely. One man. of the most talented oh, guys he's, in, he's, ever. He's, he's utterly brilliant. He was a great guest on this show. Yeah. He's, he's great. Hello, Brett. Um, also, I just want to say, if anyone's listening and interested in seeing Joe, it's Dungan. Mm-hmm. D-U-N-G-A-N. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if they look in LA Weekly... Is it weird see, having the name Dung in your name? See Joe Dungan. Go see his show. It's not weird anymore. Yeah. My, my last name used to be Manure Man. So. Did you get made, did <laughs> you get made fun of with that? Better than pronoun? shit, man. A little bit. I hey, didn't, Dung I didn't, Man. I didn't know what Dung was till I was about 10th grade or something. Right. And nobody occurred. Nobody didn't occur to me that yeah. dung was actually something dirty. No one's really calling it dung unless you think dung beetle. No, right? No. Dung is such a, an anachronism. Who uses the word dung? <laughs> no one. Isn't there a dung plant? A plant that is there a plant opens up because it smells like dung once a year. It's called the dung 
<laughs> he likes fart jokes, Mr. Smart Comic. Oh, my God. Nothing beats a Mr. fart you're joke, you're too huh? funny. He's laughing at... It's not even a built joke. It's just... Aren't we all like nine-year-olds, really? When you, when you strip off all the layers? Let's have a sleep over the three of us. All right. Okay. Sleeping bags, fart jokes. You all know, right. they say that farts okay. are funny. Can I get an Airbnb when you do that? <laughs> farts are funny because they sound like trumpets. But, I mean, I think a fart uh-huh. would be funnier if it sounded like even any other instrument. Imagine a fart sounding like a piano. Okay. Or a fart sounding like a clarinet. I mean, that would sound even funnier. If you imagine a fart coming across <laughs> sounding like an accordion, would that be the funniest goddamn thing? That would be pretty If Lawrence be... Walk was coming out of your ass? <laughs> That's another thing. You love old-timey TV and stuff like I do. Like, you, you appreciate the love boat. When I get up in the morning, I eat oatmeal, and I drink, <laughs> I drink coffee, and I turn on Channel 2. I watch the CBS Morning News, yeah, which is the old guy morning yeah. news. I don't watch that Today Show. That stuff is horrifying. I, yeah. think, I think Tom Broca writes in his journal every night about how awful the Today Show is, because it's just terrifying. <laughs> but in between commercials... On CBS, I turned to channel 2.2, which in LA, they have like these digital channels that are related to the local channels. Right. And 2.2, it's like reruns of Green Acres. How do I find that? You just turn the... I don't have a TV from 1965. You're turning a dial? You don't have a remote? I have direct TV. Okay, well, it's probably channel 147 or something. Oh! oh there you it's go. it's, it's yeah. carried. But they they show reruns of, like, Laugh-In. Right, yeah. But that's, that's like the like TV land, the yeah, TV channel. It's like, it's kind of like yeah, TV Yeah, and they have, you know... But you never know what Hogan's you're going to see. Hogan's Heroes yes. and all those great shows. Those old stuff. Love and that stuff. Dick Cavett show. Absolutely. And, yeah. You know, Man- I will watch that stuff. All so the I'm old kind of detective old shows, Mannix. I used to watch, I, I watched Johnny Carson when I was in high school. Oh, I love Johnny and Carson. And I remember a lot of the comedians I saw. Sure. And I remember their bits. Right. Wow. And I'm looking back now and thinking, oh, God. Sometimes I'll think of these old bits that I saw 30 years ago. I'm going, wait a minute. That's a little bit sexist. Why did they laugh at that? Oh, it was the 80s. That's right. 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 You know, and racism, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of that stuff you couldn't say now. I mean, it would be, they'd be writing in the streets. Yeah. And, that, you know, that calls into something, a question that's really interesting that everybody loves to talk about is, can you joke about anything? And Theoretically, I, yes. Yes. I believe that. You Theoretically, know? you can. But then, again, It's up to got, you to, to whether you're um, going to be uh, offended or not. Well, it's up to the comedian to ask, well, how much shit do I want to take? Right. Because I think rape jokes can be funny. I had a bit about rape that I used to do. But what if you qualify it? I mean, I mean, what if you say, look, I know it's really bad, but if you are raped, blah, 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 you know? You, well, again, it has to do with your audience. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, tech, theoretically, anything can be offensive. I mean, well, of course. People, yeah. And, and, and if you that's the let case, that go. If someone comes to you and says, oh, what you said was really offensive, you have to say, sorry, you feel that right. way. Right. But that, but now that, now you're talking about things that are on a spectrum because obviously we can sit here and say, okay, rape, kind of a touchy subject. Race is always a touchy, touchy subject. But honestly, somebody out there is going to be offended by your bit about thimbles. Absolutely. Honest to God. There's you, some asshole going to go out there. You still have rape. to do what you feel like you want to do. Right. That now comes down to the comedian because right. everything is on a continuum. Right. If you look at everything, the most innocent shit or the most damaging shit. Right. It's a choice. Because I used to do a bit about rape in which I clearly, clearly did not condone it. Right up front, I said, this is an absolutely awful thing. And then I went into the bit, and at no point did I condone rape. And people were still offended by it. Hmm. And I'm going, but I'm not condoning it. And I think that just the Just, the just was there an it, audible, oh, from the There joke? was a little, well, there was some withdrawing. There was some silence. Uh, but it wasn't, I, I, it, didn't, it got back to me. There were a few people who said, you know, you really shouldn't talk about that. Uh, but it's still but up I'm to you to say, you know what, I'm going to be true to myself. And I think this is funny, so I appreciate that you felt that way, but I'm still going to say it. Right. People that's, that's are full of decision. shit. 
People are full of shit. The great and mighty Larry David hosted last weekend's Yeah. SNL, and he did a Holocaust. And he's Jewish, so... He's doing a Holocaust. But it wasn't a joke. People are like, I can't believe Larry David did that joke about the Holocaust. It wasn't a joke about the Holocaust. It was a joke that takes place on a concentration camp. It was basically a joke about a guy. Does he have any game hitting on a girl mm. in a concentration camp? And the scenario was fucking hilarious. It just so happened to be happen- right. happening on a concentration camp as the Holocaust was happening. Right. And then it gets all blown out of proportion. Even my stepdad on Facebook was really? about it. And he, he's a hypocrite because he turns right around and watches Larry David and texts me, wasn't Larry great last night? <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. And, and, and he posted, oh, God, something about the terrible shooting uh, down in Texas this past weekend. And, and someone out of nowhere uh, in his thread goes, uh, hey, yeah, and how, how, how about that Larry David I was about to do a text, but I remembered it was a Jewish guy who said it. How about that Larry David with his joke about the Holocaust that was so offensive? And I had to chime in. I said, that joke was utterly innocuous. Stop it. Stop it. But, and, like, like, but he's right. You can and the Jews any- are the funniest people. Would you say the Jews are the funniest people of all? That's racist. I would say the blacks are. <laughs> Black comedians are. But you can make a joke joke about puppies and people will be offended. Yes, you know. So it is up. It's up to you to do what you want. Right. And for me, it was another subject matter where I saw absurdity, and that's why I talked about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't talk about it in. You can also diffuse the uncomfortableness of something bad by humor. Yes. Humor can be a bomb to take away all of the stress. One of my jokes. I haven't told the bit in a while, so I've forgotten some of it. But one of my observations was, I said. You know, rape, obviously, is a terrible crime. It's also a very strange crime because look at the cost-benefit analysis. Clearly, you're not getting much from a rape. If you look at the the risk-reward there, what is the point of a rape? It just seems really dumb. It seems to me, if you're going to commit a crime, bank robbery is the way to go because, yeah, there's a risk involved, but look at the reward. You, You do a bank robbery, you do it right, you're set for years. You do a rape, I mean, you're set for, what, a day? you got to do it again? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, at no point am I condoning this. Right. I'm just right. pointing out what an absurd right. crime it is. And right. I'm not dismissing how awful it is, because I know it's right. happened to a lot of people. And, of course, it's terrible. But they hear what they want to hear. Yep. They That's hear rape, they and they hear, oh, he's talking about it, therefore, and they put on all these other meanings. And, in fact, I know a woman who, and I, I, who heard me do that bit in an open mic, a comedian. She came up to me and told me how much she liked it. And I just found out recently that she had been raped at once. Oh, really? Um, well, yeah. Mm. And she told me how much she liked the bit. So right. it really... Runs the gamut. It but, is. You, but, ha- right. you have to be true to yourself. But it's also another decision. Like a lot of comedians, like Bill Cosby, I have to bring him up. But he, he was a champion of this, even though he's Bill Cosby now. He wouldn't swear. Yeah. So it's another choice. Like you cannot swear. Some, you're Richard Pryor, every other word is fuck. Or you can be one of those people that just say, you know what? I'm not going to use that crutch to get a cheap laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, not, I mean, I love Richard Pryor. And he didn't get cheap laughs, but he swore a lot. Right. That was his thing. Keep in mind, he did it at a time when swearing was not as socially acceptable, and it worked. And there's a moment in Jaws, which (laughs) they they swear. I heard Spielberg explain it, and he did it in a very calculated way Mm -hmm. to get a laugh, Mm -hmm. and it worked back then. And Mm -hmm. now it's just another word. Right. So that's why I try not to lean on it either, because you also want to But that's a choice. But you also could lean on it. uh, I could, but I think think it dilutes the jokes I'm trying to tell, which is why I... But that's your choice. Yeah. But it's also, again, like the choice if you tell a rape joke even though you know some people might get their feathers ruffled but that's your choice you can you can choose to be talking about taboo subjects you can choose to swear or not swear all of that is on the comedian you know what i mean people can basically like you or not yeah and it 
Yeah, and it, it's it's really about what what point you're trying to make, and mm-hmm. that's the thing for me because it's it's one thing to make a clever observation, but if you're trying to make a bigger point, then it's onto something. You're onto something else. Um, even even as an aside, though, you can still throw these things in. My favorite rape joke of all time, and I've heard plenty, is uh, <laughs> Louis C.K. was talking about it, and I and love said, him. He's amazing. He said, "Yeah, well, when he's not exposing himself to people, allegedly, 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 allegedly." I um, wish all of this stuff stayed behind closed yeah. doors. It just makes me crazy. He said, um, obviously, rape is not okay, except if you want to have sex with somebody and they won't let you. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets that laugh yeah. because it's, it's so funny. dumb. It's, it's funny. But it, it's funny. Yeah. You know, and of course, like you're saying, like Stephen Wright, he has a way of saying things mm-hmm. because he's saying it his way. It's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's another one who's a master of just having a conversation. But put in the work. Years. Decades. Yeah. Yeah. It takes it. It takes. Bill Burr said this once. It takes twenty years to figure out how to walk fifteen feet. Well, that's because a, from the that's moment a good line. You, the moment you get on your from you get up from your seat to walk on stage, something happens, and right. you're not yourself anymore. Right. And it takes a long time to figure out how to just that's be yourself again. Oh, that's really interesting. And you just have to practice it. And right. honestly, five days in Seattle, I feel like a different person. That's great. Just walking. So, in front yeah, of it's different great crowds. that you yeah. went. You know, because I'm sure some people would go, "Oh shit, I've been accepted," and they just don't go. You um, know? Yeah, and I know I know there were a few dropouts. I don't know who they were or right. why. Well, you didn't drop out, so good for no. you. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad I did it. You're a better man for it. Yes, I am. That's cool. Kudos to you. So you wake up in the morning, you have your oatmeal, you watch your CBS morning show, you watch the Little Green Acres. When is it around the time that you start to feel like, "Uh oh, I've got to go to the bathroom, make a potty"? Yeah. Oh, right after I have oatmeal. <laughs> so right away. So we're changing the subject then? Is that what this means? <laughs> so it's coffee, oatmeal. Yeah. We're done Uh-oh. with your career. What are your bowels so you like <laughs> every day? Now I now know. Now he what lives the, in a condo with Now his you brother. know this is what Max thinks about. <laughs> well, I was thinking that. I already know that. <laughs> so you live with your brother. And by the and way, Max, God. my shit doesn't stink. I'm sure. Oh, wow. But the thank God you don't have to share a potty with your bro, Chris. No, we do. Oh, you do? So do you inhale each other's Dungian odors? I mean, my God. I do not want to smell my brother in the well, morning. Well, when our schedules align. I don't want to watch Jaja and get wood and sit there with a shit boner smelling my brother's ass. I don't want that, personally. Okay, but, it was well, actually, but you yeah, have two bathrooms. It was Ava, actually. Oh, it was Ava. It was right. Ava. You it can't Josh, rent the other up, room in my uh, joint now. Uh, oh. No, I don't smell his... I don't... I, I don't what did you say? A shit boater? <laughs> no, you're you have the shit boner. I do not have After shit look at boners. Ava, haven't you ever had to take a shit? But no, you, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Time out for all the women listening to this podcast. I do not get shit boners. Okay. <laughs> I so, am a man. But don't you and Chris have two bathrooms? Yes, we have two bathrooms. Okay, so you're not. Why do you? Why are you telling me you share one if you have two separate ones? Well, because I go to the one that's closest. Oh. I don't want to go upstairs to the. Why not? Oh, because you share that one too. So yeah. What oh my it god! Make? They have two bathrooms and they share them both. See, if I lived with my brother like you live with your brother, yes. no, 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 no. I don't care if I have to go upstairs. I will be more inconvenienced. I would not share a bathroom with my brother. Oh, that's good to know. Now. Okay, so if you have to shave in the morning and he has to shave, where are his shaving things? On the other side of the sink. Are you have so all of your toiletries are in the same goddamn bathroom? Uh, no, his are airlifted in from China. What the fuck? Of course they're in the same bathroom. So you stand side by side at the sink. No. Good morning. Good morning. Shaving together. No. 
We go in separately. We don't uh, like, share the goddamn bathroom at the same. We're not married. Jesus. So wait a minute. He takes a hot, steamy shower, gets out, wipes everything, spritzes down, hopefully leaves, and leaves a steam mirror. You go in, time for you to take your shower, or you don't take a shower and you shave. So how does that all work? Why can't you just use separate bathrooms? Well, first of all, we only have one shower. Second of all, he leaves for work a lot earlier in the morning than I do. Oh, Third, that's good. sometimes he takes a shower at night. Oh. Goes to bed, wakes up in the morning, just gets dressed and gets out. I don't like that. So, well, okay. I think I'll, you have to shower in the morning. <laughs> well, I'll make sure he knows that, Max. But that's, we do fine. You we know, are rarely in each other's way. Let me just say this. Yeah. If I decide, like, tomorrow I have a 9 a.m. appointment, most likely I'm not going to shower before then. Most likely I might go home tonight and take a nice hot shower real quick before I get into bed. Okay. So, when I wake up in the morning, though, I still know that there's that underarm crotch sort of feel so what i'll do is i will take a booty wipe and i'll wipe under my armpits and i'll wipe my bag and then deodorize and re-spritz as long as those areas are okay then i can go out into the world if it's a really hot day yeah and after the spritz you're actually spritzing five minutes later isn't the whole thing for not then wait one more time. If it's a hot day, hot day. I mean, you wake up and you yes. got, you're taking your shower. Yes. The night before, you're not taking a shower yeah. in the morning. You got your little wipes. You wiped off. Yeah. You're now clean. Yes. You're you're diseased yes. and you're sweat free. Yes. And you walk out and it's 90 degrees. Well, not right now. Now it's cool, but no. Yeah, of course, the usual heat of the day is going to take you down. But that's what happens when I come back at three. What, I what, take a shower. What do you do? What do you do when you travel to warm climates? Like you've been to Atlanta. Oh, I hate them. So I've been just, to Atlanta. Yeah, you've been to Atlanta. I remember that. So you just have two or three a, showers. Just a bunch of showers. Bunch and, of showers, wow. but they're quick. They're quick. Do you have like burner T-shirts that you keep changing and stuff? Uh, that's interesting. I, I'll do burner panties, not panties, but underpants. I may do that. <laughs> Maybe socks and a case of wipes with you. <laughs> Those must be fun to explain at airport security. That's right. Sir, what are these for? Um, there's a big Listen, pot of wipes in your crotch, sir. I, I, if you get the, the wet ones, they come in the convenient little packages. You can put a pack in your bag, a pack in your backpack, a pack in your frip, and a pack in your frip. And next thing you know, you've got plenty of wipes to last you for days. That's all I'm saying. So is comedy Was that more comedy? perspiration <laughs> than inspiration? It's it, No, not anymore. All right. No, it's it's it is inspiration. I do like, I do enjoy just. Sometimes I'll go on Comedy Wire and just write punchlines to but headlines. But do you get aha really? moments? You're driving, and all of a sudden, a light bulb absolutely. goes Absolutely, absolutely. So you get your, your moments of inspiration whether I, you're in the shower. I keep or, one of these little memo oh, pads. Oh, you have with a me. little old school memo that. pad. Yeah, with a little spiral with a bound little tiny wire awesome. pencil. Yep. Yeah, I, well, I have wow. a, I got a pen right here in the pocket. Wow. Okay, so you do have those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you could be anywhere. Yeah. You could be writing something right now. Yeah. If this wasn't it. so fucking boring. That's right. <laughs> I Yeah, things will occur to me. Right. Um, especially when I'm watching other comedians, which is a bit dicey, because then if you if they see you writing shit down while they're on stage. <laughs> do, you, do you get jokes as you're listening to a joke? Yeah. Really? But, yeah. but uh, of oh, course, wow. it's not their joke. I, I never, I never but hear they're, a... But they're triggering something. Oh, absolutely. Oh, interesting. And I'm going, oh, that's interesting. Wait a minute. I could do that spin on that topic. And of course, it's different from their what they're doing. Right. You're not ripping but them the off. But the fact that they're, of course not. But I've kept the fact that they're talking about that subject, well, right. wait a minute. I right. never thought of that. Right. Like, subjects are not, you know. Uh, of course not. You can't copyright a subject. Yeah. Although people have tried, I'm sure. Have they really? 
I imagine. I mean, some people get mad. About what? I've heard of petty arguments among comedians going, I do the shit about rowboats going over waterfall. You can't talk about rowboats wow. going over waterfall. Like, dude, write something else. Right. Jesus Christ. See, I've that's got, a pretty I've, powerful image you just conjured. And is that real? Rowboats over a waterfall? No. I just or did that, that just pop up? I just made that out of That just nothing. came right yeah. out of you. But there are See, comedians that's an amazing image. who yeah. will get mad. that It's like, you're, you're telling jokes about potatoes. It's my thing. Right. No, potatoes have been here since before either of us. Right. And, <laughs> you know, I, I the best thing I ever heard about like joke stealing was from Jay Leno. He said, you know, I, you obviously need the joke worse than I do. You have it. I'll write something else. Right. And you think about it. I mean... It's a joke. Yeah, big deal. Yeah. I'd rather be the it's guy not Beethoven's ninth who has a joke stolen. Right, just steal my fucking joke. I'll go do something else. In the years I've been doing this, I don't think anyone's ever stolen a joke from me. And there have been maybe three times where I've heard, I've heard someone tell a joke similar to mine. And I thought, oh, okay, it's not the most original material, evidently, because someone else just told something similar. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll move on and just never tell that again. You live with your brother. Do you guys go grocery shopping together? No, we do not. Is, does he do all of the shopping? A lot of it, yeah. So you don't go side by side with carts. <laughs> something tells me I'm into something good. And decide the menu. Does he plan the menu? Does he do all the cooking? Pretty much, yeah. And he's a good cook. Better than I am. Yeah. I've, se- I've come to your place and I've seen him in an apron. And? <laughs> what's, your, what's your opinion on this? So is it a well-balanced meal he provides? Oh, yeah. I mean, some of his stuff is a little out there. Sometimes he just, like... Experiments. Oh, yeah. Like, he one time he... he tries- Joe, tonight, it's ceviche night. Uh-oh. No. <laughs> but, like, for example, a few weeks ago, he made... He, we had chicken, and we had zucchini. And he just kind of... He, he took a baking dish and threw them all in the baking dish. Oh, no. And just threw it in the oven. He didn't feel like getting specific about things. He was tired. He's like, well, it should be heated. Was so. there a sauce? Nope. It was, it was just, just nope. zucchini just a bunch and of chicken. Baked he was mush. tired. He was tired. Do you, but you don't make him feel like, what is this? You no. Know? Right. You appreciate the effort. I appreciate the effort. Now, yeah. sometimes I'll say, um, do, I, do I put sauce on this? Or yeah. what, what do we do here? He's like, How many I, meals does he prepare a day? No, no more than one. Does he make your lunch? No, he does not make my He's not my wife. He's not. This isn't the 1950s. Okay, you, but Joe, how old are you now? 48? 48. You're 48, and your brother is? Older. Okay, and you're all living together. You guys all, have been living together forever. Yeah, but I it's think working. it's kind of a beautiful thing. It's working. It's it great. He's, he's and you guys are really good friends. Yeah. That's the main thing. Yeah. We get I along. love his brothers so much. Right. And you know what's Brother brothers can't stand each other. No, yeah. we get along really well. That's fantastic. They're great. They're great. We, have, great. we have different worlds that we live in. There's some things about my world I'm just like, no, you can't be a part of this. But, but that's fine. And he's got his own I, world, which is you that's part of how it works. Is yeah. we're not Do you sit other's... on the couch right. reading books from separate ends of the couch with like little lights on your books, just quiet time? Yes, we are Mike and Carol Brady. We sit there. I want to know how you share a life with I'll come home. Here's what happens. I'll come home from work sometime after six, you know. I know he's not saying hi, honey. And then uh, I'll come in. He'll hear the sliding door come in. I park in the back of this carport. I walk in. I sliding door. He hears it. He'll come downstairs and he'll say, okay, and he'll start making dinner. And it's That's so sweet. He'll have something like that he's going to make and it's like already on the stove. He'll just turn on the burner. It's it's ready to go. It's prepped. It's all prepped. 
Or he's like, I'm going to take this out. I'm going to reheat this. And, you know. You get to come home to this sweet little mustachioed yeah. man who has food ready for you. And then he'll turn on. No issues. No. Is he yeah. married like the, or with living with Super, Super Mario or he's, something? He's Mr. Moneybags he does from Monopoly. A, he, does have a, he does have a mustache. Yeah. But, um, but Actually, he has a mustache. He does have a mustache. A mustache. <laughs> According so, to Max, it's a yeah, mustache. It is a mustache. I'm always talking to Chris about his fashion. I think he's come a long way. But the point is, you guys are living together in this little world, and it's a beautiful thing. And then, are you kidding me? This fucking guy's mom has a house in Los Osos. Oh. On the central coast. Oh. Outside of San Luis Obispo. This fucking guy. Listen, we love mom, but when she's out of here. We're at the house. These fuckers are going up there, and they're going to live the dream. And then the the wife and I are going to be up there. We've hooked up a few times. Have you? Oh yeah, are you kidding? My wife's mom, That's Sherry. A beautiful area. Oh, <laughs> Sherry Lynn LeMay. Oh, I know where she's this shows. a nutbag. <laughs> Loves Joe. Still asks about this motherfucker. <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm the devil. I'm the worst thing that's ever happened to her daughter. But every time Nicole talks to her mom, hey, how's that Joe Dugan doing? I sort of like him. Remember that one time he came up with his brother Chris? We went up to the Central Coast with her like, parents I like how once. Nicole's mom sounds like Mr. Hanky. Joe Dugan? He sure is. How's Joe Dugan doing? Third is getting my drawers going. Ew. I get little swaps and pull down, look down. And what happens is, Joe gets me going so much that when I pull down my pants, the cotton part that sticks up all in between your lips sticks there. Meanwhile, the elasticity around the waist or around my knees, but the padded part is still stuck in the labia. And then there's a whoosh. Wow. That was quite the weekend. Joe gets you going that much? Um, and then I get wait, mad wait, at Wait, 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 wait. How no, come, I got no, mad No, wait, wait, wait. Time out. Time out. If I get her going that much, how come we haven't hooked up? I don't know. But, well, she's in Florida. <laughs> Help a brother out But here. then Joe left, and I was like, what the? Like, Nicole and I had a little mini fight. Well, it wasn't a fight. It was just me yelling at my wife. What the fuck? All of a sudden, Joe Dungan shows up. <laughs> and you're the Antichrist. In the central, <laughs> at our rented house on the Central Coast. <laughs> doesn't do anything. And she she's... <laughs> Mesmerized. <laughs> Didn't she sit on my lap? She did. She oh. loves you. <laughs> she gave you a lap dance. My wife's mom loves Joe. I think she was. I think she was drunk. In fairness, I All think right. she was. Maybe drunk. she was just drunk she with the doesn't drink. with a glass Probably full of Joe. One, one sip of one I, sip. I, of wine. I love how Max. We were talking about Chris and I in the house on the Central Coast, and it turns into how much your mother-in-law hates you. <laughs> it all goes back well, to him. You would know better about these comedic transitions than I do. I don't know. That was you're... elegantly done, actually. Yeah. No, that was well done. And yes, Thank my you. mother had a house on the coast. Um, That's amazing. Lovely. Yeah, and we all we talk about. And Max and I driving down here, we're talking about what is a, what a filthy whore Los Angeles. Yeah, we're yeah. really not happy. We're just. Yeah. I, I know. I mean, you're living in. Santa I live. In, I live in what I have to say. If you have to live in LA, this is probably the best part of LA it's to live nice. in. It's nice, but it's um, it's just the amount of people. There's an attitude here that's really kind of caustic. And um, obviously, you have to make a lot of money just to get by yeah, here. Yeah, you do. You and, do. Um, there's a lot to be said for just land and clean air and less people. Yeah. And uh, you and know, living the, the next half of your life just simpler. Yeah. And less noise. You know. And uh, I, I think. So I think when can we all go to your house? I th- whenever you want. Right, Still a podcast cool. up there. Mom's cool. That would be fun. She's never done a podcast. I'm that sure would be she's really got fun. a lot of nice stories to tell. I'm sure she does. I really would love to talk to her. Yeah. I, I don't well, think I've ever met your mommy. You've met mom. When did I meet her? At baseball. 
There was I one met night, her at baseball. There was one night at, uh, what's that Italian restaurant we used to go to? Yes, Michelli's. Yeah. Oh, you, we were God. all hanging out there we one night. We had so many great nights yeah. at that place. And then you, you, you did your Max thing and made the rounds and talked to my mom. And my mom's friend was there and you yes, flirted I with did. them and I made did them flirt. feel, yeah, because that's who you were. Well, like his mother-in-law talks about you, did she say, oh, that Max, yeah, that God, where's he? Yeah, she won't shut up about right. Max. Ooh. <laughs> did, she, did she sit on your lap? No, 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 I don't. I just don't have the Joe magic when it comes to women. The what? Oh. What magic? I don't. I really don't have magic when it comes to women. I no, really I know. Don't. You I, are I, an engaging listen, personality. I have never can, spoken can we, to you as we, much. Can we speak honestly? As I did, as we're doing tonight. I think you're really amazing. Thank are we you. To speak I appreciate honestly? that. We can speak honestly because I've been bullshitting all this time. But no, if no. you'd like to go to the honesty mode. Okay, now hour two is going to be the real Joe dude. I made a. I made a fatal error. I set up Joe. Essentially, I'm the one that orchestrated a certain woman that you wound up living with that didn't really work out. So you kind of have me to blame for that. No. No? No. I'm responsible for all my own shit. See? He knows. He's an adult. But I've also set up Joe with uh, a few other friends. Well, he wanted to be set up. He had a coffee date with a friend of mine. You didn't force anybody on the man. (laughs) Yeah. Did he actually blackmail you into going? No. But but you do see that I see... A very smart, attractive, little Aspergery uh, <laughs> guy that that, that is awesome. That, am I a little Asperger? Aspergery? I, I, you might be a little spectrum. Have uh, you maybe. ever been tested? <laughs> no, Joe. Come on, you're you're like that. Is kid it the from size of the play. head issue? It's the size of the head. What's that kid from that play? The play that was just in LA. Oh, the taper about the, the autism year old, yeah. the autism yeah. kid. Okay. I kind of thought a little bit about you on that one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but again, it's that thing where you're like, you're a little too smart. Like, what if you, it's so funny that you chose comedy for a life, and I, I know you proofread, and it's so funny, every time I will write a little rant on Facebook, I will be laughing in my head thinking, gosh, I wonder if Joe's reading this and looking at all of my terrible grammatical errors, and sometimes, haven't I come at you? Where can you put a comma? Where can you put a You may colon? have, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the way my brain works, man. I know it's just you do like it with but the fact that you chose comedy with a brain like that is amazing. Thanks. Do I we, do. We want to do a part two. I think we should do a part two. I think two. so too. Yeah. I would it's love okay. to. And oh. we have another bottle of wine too. Yeah, I mean we're 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 going along. We're probably going to have this be a two parter because it's 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 yeah. engaging. There's a lot to get to. It's too much fun. You know, should we 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 get this we, guy with us? Should we end this for part one? Yeah. Okay, let's just make this part one, <laughs> Joe. This is the end of part one. You okay. have, there's, there's so much on the, uh, the Dugan spectrum that we need to... Dungan! Dungan, I'm sorry. That we need to get to. You got it. So people listening, you're, there's going to be a part two. So listen to this all the way through. Take a break. Have take a glass a of wine. Have a glass of wine. And breathe. Uh, breathe and leave some space in your life for part two.